we're continuing on a series called Momentum, and um, it's basically going over our mission statement. And what, what we've done at Living Spring, the leaders have kind of defined five types of people that Living Spring touch. And uh, so we, we made this circle that we stole from another church, and we used all their five that we stole from another church. Uh, and then we attached our mission statement, which is uh, to it. And so basically what we, we, we call these five different types of people, the community, and that's who Living Spring, we live in a community. And so we've got neighbors and we've got other partners. And uh, so we do things for the community. We just planted some trees across the street with the, with the garden grove and with the, the school across the street. And that's community stuff. And then there's a crowd. And those are the people who might walk through our campus. And we've, we opened up the back of our wall there so that people can walk through our parking lot as a shortcut to go shopping. And that's kind of our crowd. And maybe when we uh, distribute food, things like that, that's the crowd. And then there's the congregation. Those are people who actually make it through the doors and sit down and listen to one of my boring sermons and leave. You, you made it to the, the congregation band. And then um, there's the committed, and those are the people serving at Living Spring or serving in the community ar- around us. And, uh, and then there's the core, and those are the people who really have kind of sold out for the kingdom of God uh, through financial giving and through uh, being part of our leadership team and being involved in small groups. And just to the extent that God has shaped you, you're involved in the kingdom, and that's the core. And so we are always trying to get people from one band to the next. I don't want to just live in a community. I, I, want, I want those people to be part of the crowd. I want to get to know them. I don't want to just sit here and be a neighbor. I want to be helpful. And then those people who are in the crowd, I just don't want to give food or, give, or do a VBS. I want to show them how the Word of God can radically change their life. I want them to be part of the congregation so that they can see the Spirit of God moving and they can get some stories of their own that they can see how God moves. And I don't want you just sitting there as part of the congregation. I want you part of the committed, involved in a small group, calling each other, loving each other, exercising your gifts. We, we don't want you just to stay as part of the congregation. That's not what we're about. And then if you're, part of the, if you're the part of the committed, I want you to become part of the core. I want you to have a vital, vibrant ministry that, that flows out of how God has shaped you with the movement of the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh, if you knew how much the leaders of this church long for that, that you would have a mission that God has uniquely created you for. It's going to be a tough one for me to get through. Okay, so the way we kind of reach these bands is through three pillars of our mission statement, and they are to reach, and the reason we reach is because we've seen some things, and we've heard some things, and we just can't keep it inside of us, and we restore, and the reason we restore is because the church is not a showroom, it's a garage, and so we don't just we don't just come in here all shined up and ready to go and we, we look all dandy and everything's going great and we're damaged goods that, and we're waiting for God to move through us and we don't judge the person who doesn't have tires just because we have an engine and we, we don't do all that. We're just pushing people towards that core, pushing people towards real life relationship with Jesus Christ. So we restore. That's why restore is one of our pillars. And so if a garage is, is, is kind of the, the, the image of restore, what's the image of response? We respond to a move of the Holy Spirit. And what, what, what is the image of a response? And for me, for uh, this week, if I could come up with one image that basically 
gives the perfect example of what a radical life in Christ would be, a radical response to the Holy Spirit, I would use a fireman. And that's why I have these uh, turnouts here, is what they're called. By the way, I know more about fire stuff this week and now than ever before. So I'm thinking about becoming a fireman uh, if they can have one that just kind of watches. You know, I don't, I'm waiting for that job to open up where you can go and like, wow, go, 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 you know. Um, but these are turnouts and boots and, and check out this axe. You know, this is one of the reasons why I can't be a fireman. I'd be like, okay, I'm ready to come in. I can barely even lift this thing. But it is, it is actually an axe from a real, from a real fire station. It's cool, okay? You guys are like, so what? Well, you know what? You should be kids again for all I care. All right, so we have all this stuff. We got the helmet and all this stuff because this to me is a perfect representation of how we're to respond. So what I did was I started calling firemen. We have four of them here that come, come to church here and I began calling them and I wanted to ask them, can you start telling me about the response? What's it like to respond? What, what's it like when the call goes out? And, and, and it was funny, because I called the first person, and they didn't really know how to answer, which frightened me, <laughs> because you kind of should if you're a fireman. But, but I, so I'd say, you know, so what, what do you do? What is it like? How do you get ready? And so the first fireman I called said, well, I get there at 6.30 in the morning. I'm like, okay. And he just starts going through his entire day and what they do their whole day. And I'm like, well, you know, I get up at seven. You know, it's like, what difference does it make? Until I called the next fireman. And I asked this question, what's it like to respond? What are some insights? That may? And he starts with the beginning of his day. I'm like, and then I check the equipment. Then I set my gear up and I get it, I get it all ready. And then I go and I check and make sure all the tools are done and the oxygen tanks are filled. And, I, and then we have lunch and then we do this and then we do that. And then we, we shine up the rig. I'm like, What's it like to respond? That's what the question I asked. I called the third fireman. What's it like to respond? Come on, tell me, give me something. He starts with the beginning of his day. You know what I realized? I realized that for a fireman, their entire day is in the context of ready for response. You can't just say, what do you do? When are you ready to respond? I'm always ready to respond. I mean, when I get there at 6.30 in the morning, you know, everything, everything is in the context of that alarm could go off at any second. There's an anticipation, an expectation that I could be in the middle of a meal, I could be in the middle of going to the bathroom, I could be in the middle of having the best sleep of my life, and that alarm could go off. And here's my point for us this morning, and you can fill this out in your notes if you want. Every part of our day should revolve around responding to the call because we have been uniquely chosen and equipped to respond. For the Christian, for someone attending Living Spring, for the Church of Jesus Christ, every part of our day should revolve around responding to the call because we have been uniquely chosen and equipped to respond. See, for a fireman, uh, Zeke Carabayo goes to church here, and I went to his uh, graduation from the fire academy. 
And the process you have to go through to be chosen to be a fireman is incredible. I mean, I couldn't do 10% of what they do. It's just no matter. But for the church of Jesus Christ, to be chosen means God just wants to have a relationship with you. You have been chosen by God, uniquely chosen and equipped to respond. We don't come to church here to just sit and listen and learn and train and train and train and train, and train, until someday, maybe after I retire, or after the kids are done with sports, or whatever, we respond. Our day, our entire day, should revolve around being ready for the call, because we are uniquely chosen and equipped to respond. I want to share a verse with you where we get this from. It's, it's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read some verses, and then we'll show show the one up there on the board. But basically, Paul's writing his people, and he's saying this. Look, guys, I don't want you to be stupid in your Christianity, okay? This is, well, here, I'll read it for you. You're like, wow, that's in the Bible? It's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to just sit there and just kind of, oh, spiritual gifts are too much for me. I don't really know. I don't really know what they are. I don't really, he says, I, I don't want you to be ignorant about this stuff. You know that when you were pagans, now this is very important, when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. He says, now why, why mute idols? These are, mute means you can't speak. And he says, now listen, this is what he's saying. Guys, about spiritual gifts, about your qualifications for ministry, I don't want you to be stupid about this. Somehow or another, you were involved with idols that couldn't speak, but guess what? Now you serve a God that speaks. And every part of your day should revolve around being ready to respond to the call because you have been uniquely chosen and equipped to respond. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant. You had, you served gods that couldn't speak, but guess what? Now you serve a God that speaks. This is what he's saying. And then, uh, and then he goes on. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. And then we have the verse that comes up that's in your bulletin. If you look on the back, you'll see our reach, restore, respond. And under respond is a verse of 1 Corinthians 12, 7. And it says this. Now to each one, <laughs> don't miss this. This each one is each one. Every single person that, that follow, is a follower of Jesus Christ that has said, I'm ready to follow all you guys who have made that commitment to each one of you. This is so incredible. I love this verse, one of my favorite verses. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That means in each one of your lives, an appearance, a, a reality it's made manifest. The Spirit of God has been made manifest in your life. In every single one of you, God, Almighty God, has chosen to make an appearance in your life so that when you show up to respond to the call, in fact, the Holy Spirit is showing up. 
When, when, when God calls you, when God, and we're going to talk about what a call looks like, because, you know, it's easy for a pastor to say, respond to the call, because I've been called to pastor, but it, it's way better than that. It's way better than that, okay? Each one, to each one, a manifestation, this appearance of the Holy Spirit has been given. Now, can you imagine that responsibility? I mean, imagine, I can't imagine having this responsibility here. Of the alarm goes off, and, and somebody's life is dependent on how fast I can get these things on and get on the rig and respond to the call. And, and somebody's life is dependent on me overcoming my fears and climbing a ladder, which that's where it stops for me. Second rung, okay, you know what? I think I'll become a pastor instead, right? That, I mean, somebody's life depends on me overcoming that fear. One, one of the firemen had a great, great saying that we can apply to our, uh, our, our, our walk with Jesus Christ. It's so awesome. He says, we don't get paid for what we do. We get paid for what we're willing to do. So you might look at a fireman and go, ah, they're just at the station working out or whatever. Well, it may be that day, and maybe that day, quote unquote, they don't earn their pay. But the next day, you couldn't pay me enough. You could not pay me enough. Unless my family's in that building, I don't think I could go in. I think I'd be too scared. Somebody's life depends on this. Now listen, as, as amazing as that is, and we can look at that and say, wow, they're heroic, they're heroes, all this kind of stuff, which is totally true. How much more responsibility is there to, for you to bring God into a situation? You see that? I mean, how much more if I am too scared to proclaim the name of Jesus, if I'm not equipped, if I'm not ready, if I say, you know what, someone else is going to respond to that call, how much more? And this is why Living Spring, this pillar is respond. Because there needs to be an appearance of the Holy Spirit in our different situations. So, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Every single one of us has this appearance of the Holy Spirit. We've all been given different gifts. We've all been given different, been given different personalities. Right now, we're going through our 201 class here at Living Spring, and that's discovering your shape, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. That's what shapes you. And in September, we're going to start that class again. So if you'd like to take that class, it's in September. And ultimately, next year, we'll have that class three times a year. Why are we doing that? Why do we have 101, 201, 301? Because, let's go to the next verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says this. This is so awesome. Watch this. It was he, God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Well, that makes sense. You know, you, you hire a pastor for works of service. But see, that is, go back to that slide, sorry. That's not what it says. So it says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, teachers. Guess what? If you're not a pastor, if you're not a prophet, if you're not an evangelist, if you're not a pastor or teacher, you're off the hook because it's, it's he who gave some to be that for works of service. But that's not what the verse says. Go to the next one. There's a gap, actually. It says it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, not for works of service. Go ahead and fill that in. To prepare God's people for works of service. If you're not an evangelist, 
there should be an evangelist here helping you evangelize. If you're not a shepherd, a pastor, there should be someone here teaching you how to shepherd, how to pastor. If you don't know how to teach, there should be somebody here teaching you how to teach. See, it was he who gave some of these people to equip God's people to respond to the call. That's why we have fire stations all over the country. Not just one big fire chief (laughs) who responds to everything. The job of the chief is to make sure that all the firemen know how to work their equipment, how to respond, what to do when they get there, who has different roles. Who, and and what, what the scripture is saying is, we've all been given this appearance of the Holy Spirit. And my job, Living Springs' job, is to equip you through the restoration process to respond. Because the fact of the matter is, guys, we don't have the luxury of choosing what calls we're going to respond to. I mean, could you imagine if a fireman, it's kind of like he hears the sound. By the way, I know what that sound is because I've watched 200 episodes of Emergency 51, and it goes like this. Right? You remember that? Emergency 51? And he gets on the thing, he's like, KMG 365. You don't remember that? Randolph Mantooth as Johnny Gage? Come on. Okay. Anyway, that's what it sounds like. That's what the call sounds like. So if you're waiting for the Lord, Lord, speak to me, and you hear, eh, 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 you no, you, you won't know that, right? So imagine if they hear the call, and they go, hey, Joe, what is it? I don't know, guy's having a heart attack. Uh, didn't we do a heart attack yesterday? Yeah, okay. I'm not really a heart attack specialist. You know what? Heart attacks kind of scare me. I'm not going to do a heart attack. Well, tell me when, a, tell me when a, a nice fire comes up. Firemen don't have that luxury. The call comes. They, get, they put their stuff on and they get there. They're called to respond. And there's a variety of calls. Did you know, I, don't, I didn't know this, but in a fire station, the, when, the, when, the, when the little alarm sounds, there'll be two different alarms. One's for a medical emergency and one's for a fire. And you learn to distinguish that as a fireman. I just hear, ooh, alarm, you know, right? There's a variety of calls, and each fireman has a different role at the scene. And this is vitally important for us to understand as we respond. When the firemen show up to a scene, one person, usually the captain, is documenting what's going on. He's kind of getting a full picture, and he's documenting everything down. The engineer stays with the rig or helps out. Depend, you know, they make fun of each other. So if you, talk, if you talk to someone who's not an engineer, then they'll say, ah, the engineer doesn't do anything. He just sits in the cab, right? But they, they can do stuff. And then another fireman takes the vital signs of what's going on. Another fireman's asking questions. They all have this role. Which role is the most important? Which one are you going to take away? Don't take the vital signs? Uh, all I do is just take somebody's pulse and go, yeah, you know, it's 150 over nine. I don't know what the things are. <laughs> yeah, whatever, you know, you know, right? So listen, how much more, how much more when the body of Christ shows up on the scene and we've all been given these different roles and these different gifts, can we say we're not needed? Uh, you know, all I do is I just have the small group over at my house. I don't know how to teach her. Who's going to have it at their house if you don't have it at the house? All I do is write notes to people. 
and encourage them. Who's gonna do that if you don't do that? How is God going to appear to them in that setting, in that particular thing, if you don't do it? And we're gonna get to that in a little bit. But we all have different roles. I wanna read a section of scripture to you that kind of talks about this. Again, it's in in, uh, 2 Corinthians. It says this. To one, there's given the spirit the message of wisdom, okay? To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, the same manifestation, the same God. To another, faith. You know, listen, sometimes in, in, in church, I might stand up here and there might be someone, I don't have the gift of faith. The Bible says to each one a measure of faith has been given. I have faith. But there's some people who have that gift of faith. And there are some moves I might not want to make, and all of a sudden that person with a gift of faith goes, John, we got to go for it. We got to do it. God's going to do a great thing through this. I know it. The alarm went off in their head, and they're responding to the call, and then we do it, not because I'm smart or courageous or whatever, but because somebody exercised their gift of faith. Sorry, I got sidetracked. Let's keep going. By another gifts of healing by one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing of spirits someone will say ah i don't know about this i don't know about that associate pastor you want to hire i hired him anyway okay um (laughs) i'll just play he's not here this morning so i can say that. okay to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still another the interpretation of tongues now watch this verse that that justin's going to put up here right now all these all of this stuff, and this is not an exhaustive list, are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to whom? Each one. Thank you. Each one. Does that include you? Absolutely, it includes you. You've been given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You have been given these tools, you've been given this responsibility to respond. Isn't that amazing? You say, but John, I don't feel equipped. I don't feel trained. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know enough. Listen, with firemen, it's really amazing. They can go through the academy. They can go through all the mock fires, and they can go up and down the ladder, and they can bench press, you know, whatever, and they can carry people, you know, flights of stairs. And they can do all that kind of stuff. They, they, they're trained. They know how to put on their equipment. They have all this kind of stuff, but you know what? until they actually walk into a burning building, they haven't received the ultimate training. The ultimate training, listen church, the ultimate training is doing. And this is why every part of our day, every part of our day needs to revolve around being ready to respond to the call because we have been uniquely chosen and equipped to respond. And so sometimes we say, well, I don't have enough training. I don't have enough training. And it's just the doing. A perfect example of this is in my own life. I went to a church. Up, I'm sure I've shared this before, and I'm going to share it a hundred more times because it's so pertinent to our Christian life about moving from restore to respond. My life was stuck in restore. I was never getting enough training. I wanted more of the word, deeper in the word. I, oh, come on. I just want a pastor that's really going to say it the way it is, all this kind of stuff. And I would read books and I'd learn arguments and apologetics. And I'd go to, I'm just, oh, yeah, more training, more training, more training, more training. No doing. No doing. 
And so I went to this church, Lisa and I, it was a great church, the guy spoke the word, brother, it was the word every time, and it was the hard word, and you wouldn't hear that at any other church, because we don't mess around at this church, it's the word, it's the word, and so I went to that church, and everybody was upper middle class, and we all had our white kids, and the whole bit, and all this kind of stuff, and God called me to another church (laughs) that wasn't white, it was diverse, very diverse. And my very first week there, the pastor comes to me and says, would you lead a small group? Oh, God, no, brother, you don't know. I just have to be trained. I need more training. I need more training. I need more training. The first small group I read, met, was in was completely ethnically diverse, and those people didn't know jack about the Bible. They didn't know anything. I mean, they didn't even know. I, I mean, we'd open the, I'd say, okay, open your Bibles. They're hoping to who? What? I just don't want to do crack anymore. I just want to get out of this gang. I need to know how to stop sleeping around. And I'm like, really? Well, don't do that anymore. I don't know. Because my best training was doing. And you know what I realized? I was terrible. When you have the fire department show up, you don't want all rookies. But there needs to be a rookie there to learn, to train, and he comes back to the firehouse, and they all make fun of him. And that's what church is all about. You go out and do, you come in, and we just mock you. No, right? (laughs) Okay? I I had all the training and no doing. And in this, when it says, all, all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Enough training. You can lead a small group. You can be involved in youth ministry. You can be involved in children's ministry. You can sign up for something. And and listen, all that is living spring stuff. You don't even have to do any living spring stuff. You can forget about living spring altogether. Living spring is just part of the kingdom. You can go off and just have a Bible study at your house. You can run one at at your work. You can just send notes to people. You can just have a list of people who are unbelievers and just tell them you love them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be living spring. But at some point, enough training. The calls are going out. We need more people to respond. So, this experience sometimes is the best training. You know who's a good example of this? David. David, when David met Goliath, this wasn't a thing where David was like, whoa, what? David came up and was like, oh, yeah, Goliath, that's easy. You know, a little easy button, right? He's just like, that, that's easy. Why? What, 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 ha- what happened? If you remember the story, all the Philistine armies, all the people who've had all the training in the world are sitting there, the alarm's going off, Goliath is mocking them, and David's like, any of you guys hear that? You hear what he's saying? The alarm's going off. What are, you, what are you guys doing? You got the stop. Let's go. Why, why not respond? Oh, well, I don't, know, I don't know. We need some more training. We need some more. This is scary stuff. And David says, oh, no, no. No, listen, I've, I've, I've gone to these kind of calls before. I mean, maybe not this one, but it was like that. There was a lion, and it took one of my sheep, lambs, cubs, I don't know, <laughs> babies, Right? And so I, I got this sling that I use, and I, I, I 
I just put a rock in it. And you, all you do is you swing it around, you just hit them in the head, and they fall down dead, and I rescued the lamb. And then another time, a bear came. He says, this is no different than the lion and a bear. He says, this uncircumcised Philistine, he's kind of like giving him a little jab there. Sorry for the... the but he's, he basically mocks him. This guy, this guy, this guy isn't even worth a lion or a bear. He's an uncircumcised Philistine. He's less than that. Says, God, will, God will, let's go. Samuel says this. 1 Samuel 17, 37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Who? Wait, what? My sling? My stone? No, the Lord. See, I responded to a call from God and I saw him come through and so I know the next call he's gonna come through and I know the next call he's gonna come through and the next call he's gonna come through. See, sometimes you just have to do. You just have to respond. You have to show up, bumbling and all, going, yeah, I don't have all the answers, but I've seen some things and I've heard some things and here's what God did in my life. Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. You know what's amazing about firemen? I didn't know this either. When they go out to eat, you know, you go out to a restaurant and you see the fire truck there and you're like, what are those guys doing? Remember, it's not, they don't get paid for what they do, for what they're willing to do. So next time you're willing to run into a burning building, bug them about their fire truck. So it's sitting there, it takes up a whole bunch of spaces and they're eating, di- eating meals. Do you know they get all their meals to go? Even if they're sitting there, it's all in to-go containers. Why? Because every part of their day revolves around being able to respond to the call. Because they're uniquely chosen and equipped to respond to the call. And so, so they get a meal, uh, you know, Chinese food, you and I, we'd, or whatever, a burger, or whatever, we'd get our plate and we'd do whatever we do. They get it in a styrofoam box at the table with their drink in, a, in one of those styrofoam containers because you never know when the call's gonna come. Now imagine, guys, imagine church. If you lived your life with to-go containers all around you. Imagine if your job was a to-go job. You said, look, I'm, I'm here, but as soon as the Lord calls, I'm gone. Imagine if your house was a to-go house. Well, we've purchased this house. We're going to use it for the Lord, all stuff. But if he calls, we're packing it up and we're leaving. You don't have a to-go marriage, by the way, okay? <laughs> I got him for now, but if the Lord finds someone else that's hot, I'm going to go with them, right? No, okay? <laughs> Speaking of firemen, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. You, you're one flesh now, you're stuck, okay? But, but, but imagine if your car was a to-go car. You just say, you know what, I don't, I, take it. I don't need it. Imagine if, if, if getting your kids in sports was a to-go thing. You got them in sports and everything's going great, but the Spirit of God calls you to do something else and, hey, we're pulling you out of sports. Why? Because we, we want to live our life as a to-go life. Imagine if your ministry was a to-go ministry. You've been ministering for seven, eight, nine years, and all of a sudden, somebody comes into the church that's more equipped and ready to take the ministry to the next level, and you go, you know what? I'm giving it up. The Lord's called me to something else, or it's called him to take over. Imagine, church, if we lived our whole lives as to-go lives. You know who did this? Elisha did this. It's so cool. Such a great story. It's in uh, uh, Romans chapter 10. No, it's not. Actually, that's in the New Testament. It's in 1 Kings 19. I almost read the wrong verse. So here's what happens. Elisha's minding his own business. He's got 12 sets of oxen and they're plowing a field. Now to own a field and to own that many oxen means you're a wealthy person. So here he is. He's arrived and he's in the last row of oxen just going, ah, this is fantastic. I've got my, 
I've got my oxen. And Elijah comes up and puts his mantle on him. Now, this is kind of like a, a robe or a cloak. Uh, it's made of usually animal hair. It's not that great. Like, it's not something cool you'd have. But it just identifies you as you're working full-time for the kingdom. You have just been called. The alarm's gone out. So what happens is Elisha's, you know, doing the green acres is the place to be. You know, he's riding along on his tractor and all of a sudden Elijah comes up and puts his cloak on him and he goes, oh man, the alarm sounded, he's just been called. Now Elisha does not have a to-go life. He's got land, servants, family. So he says to Elijah, Let's go ahead and look at this. So Elisha left him and went, oh, no, sorry, I didn't read it. But he says to him, look, let me just at least say goodbye to my family. And Elisha says, go back, go ahead. Do I have that up there? No, I don't. He says, go ahead, go say it. But remember, I called you. This is essentially what he says. What did I do for you? And so you know what he does? He leaves Elisha, he leaves Elijah, he left him and went back and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. And he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. When the call came, he said, you know what? I'm packing it up, I'm done. I don't even want to go back to it. He kills the oxen, he takes all the stuff that was plowing the oxen, he cooks them up, they eat it, done. He follows Elijah. A to-go life. A great example of what happens when, it, now what happens when, when we get the call. Sometimes we go, well, I'll be right there. Can you imagine a fireman saying, I'll be right there? What, 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 what the consequences of God saying, of, of, of a fireman saying, I'll be right there? Listen, when we say, I'll be right there, what we're saying is, God will be right there. Just hang on and wait for me to get the courage. Hang on and wait for me to have it mean something, enough that I'd actually change my life. I know this is a harsh word, and for some of you, it doesn't even apply. You're, you're, you're doing it. But what I'm asking, what I'm, the question I've been asking myself this week is, am I really living my life that my entire day revolves around being ready for the call? Even as a pastor, you say, well, your job is to respond to the call. It is, but I struggle with it just like you do. I get those calls where I'm like, really, again? Are you, really? You got yourself into this mess again? But listen, imagine if the fire department did that. The alarm goes off, and they go, who is it? Oh, it's a guy, he's having a heart attack. How much does he weigh? Uh, 320, ah, he got himself into that. He shouldn't have eaten so much. His heart can't handle that. I'm not going. He got himself into that mess. I'll give you an example. When I was 15 years old, uh, my sister was already out of the house. My brother was already out of the house. So it was just me and my parents. And so I'm in the, uh, we come back from dinner and uh, I was always screwing around with my parents, you know, before I was a believer. And um, <clears throat> so so it was raining, and we, I was the first in the house, and I went into the back patio. We had this back patio, and there was this spider. It was about this big. And so I started, I started messing around. I'm like, spider, you know, and my dad's like, shut up, you know. My mom's laughing, and I'm like, spider, spider. 
sure. And I'm, I'm you know, running around. I, I was an idiot, okay? You, know, you guys are looking at me like, what are you doing? But I was doing it to get my dad, because my dad's really manly, and he's just like, yeah, knock it off. You know, you know, act like a man. I'm like, spider, right? So, so you know, finally he's hit me or whatever. And so, <laughs> you know, he loves me. So we, we, we were just kind of laughing about the whole thing. And about, about, I don't know, eight, nine minutes, we hear these sirens, you know, and like, man, those are coming close, you know. They start getting louder and louder and louder. And I mean, you know, when you're, they pull up in front of my house, it's loud. It is loud. So they're parked between us and the neighbor's house. And so, you know, what do you do every, you know, every time you, everyone comes out, you know, what's going on? And so they're out and they got, you know, they're all decked out. They look like this, you know, and it's like, cool, you know. You know, and you go through weird things like maybe my neighbor's house is burning down. You don't even think about what you're actually saying, but, you know, we get to watch the firemen. So they're, they're out, and they're just kind of looking around, and, 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 and my dad's like, well, you know, what's going on? And he said, well, we're here. We, we got a call for a fire. And they said, uh, and my dad's like, no, there, I, there's no fire. And he said, well, um, we heard that somebody called because they heard someone yelling fire. Well, you know, um, yeah, about that, uh, let's just say there was an idiot <laughs> who was messing around. Would they go to prison if somebody, you know? So I, I had to explain to the fireman that I was yelling spider and then explain why I'm not a man, you know? Because like, they looked at me like, you were yelling spider? Like, you know, they're totally decked, you know, they got the act, they're just totally decked out. And I'm like, well, it was a, it was a joke, because my dad was, so they just pack it up, they get in their, they get in their thing, and they, and they go away. We call that a false alarm, right? Now imagine if that bothered them so much that the next time a call came, nah, it's probably just that kid again. You know, stupid kid. They're probably to this day. Remember when that little scrawny kid was yelling spider? Yeah. Wonder whatever happened to that guy. Yeah. But, yeah. Imagine if you let the false alarms, the disappointments, the affect your readiness to answer the call. For some of you, that's where you are right now. You got injured last time you went. It was a false alarm. You, had, you, got dis- you were disappointed. You're tired of just not getting enough sleep. Listen, God's heart's for you is that you respond to a move of the Holy Spirit. I want to read one last scripture as the band comes up. The question is this. If not you, then who? If not you, then who? You're, in, you're the one in your family. You're the one working that job at that place. You're the one at that school with that locker in that class. You're the one. Not me. Not the person next to you. You're the one there. That's your district. That's your responsibility. The Holy Spirit has appeared there. And he's walking in your body. Listen to what the scriptures say. How then can they call on the one They've not believed in. In other words, how are they going to know what to do? How are they going to know to call 911? How how are they going to know this? 
And how can they believe in one of whom they've not heard? If they don't know the system, if they don't have any way to respond, to, to, to pull the alarm, how, how are they going to know? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And you say, John, you're the preacher. That's your job. No, my job is to equip you to preach. My job is to share with you the insights of the scripture so that when the alarm sounds in your district, you answer that call. That God actually shows up there because you're there. He says, and how can they preach unless they are sent? How can they put out the fire unless they're sent to the fire? How can you help that marriage unless you're sent to the marriage? How can you help that person at school who's struggling know about Jesus unless you're sent to that person at school and tell them about Jesus? And here comes the greatest scripture of all. Because this is how God sees you. Have you ever... Have you ever had a situation where the police needed to show up or the the firemen needed to show up? And when they show up, it's just like, oh, they're here. And you hear hear the boots kind of clumping. You know, you hear them kind of clump and they got all the stuff. You can hear kind of all the equipment and the, the, you know, the buckles buckling. You can hear all that. You You know what the word of God describes that as? When you show up on the scene, when it's devoid of the Holy Spirit and there is a need to show up, this is, what, how the, this is how it says it. It says this, and how can they preach unless they're sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. When you show up, it's beautiful because God shows up because you've been uniquely chosen and equipped to respond to the call. And as we go into the slower time of worship, and I preach too long, I'm sorry. As we go into the slower time of worship, here's my question for you. Is God sounding an alarm and you're not responding to it? Are you, in your heart right now, are you going, I know exactly what he's talking about. I gotta make a phone call. When I show up at school on Monday, I have to have a conversation. When that neighbor pulls in his driveway and I say every single time, it's a pretty nice day, isn't it? It's time to change my language a little bit. For others of you, you just need to be encouraged. You are God's hands and feet. It's time to stop saying you're not qualified. You're uniquely qualified. God has put you in that district where your home is, where your work is, where your school is, where your neighbors are. Enough training. Thank you.